Hey guys, this is Jeff Stanek with Figured Out Baseball. I've got a great Figured Out Baseball podcast for you today. I really love talking with junior college coaches. If you listen to this podcast enough, you know that I'm a big proponent of junior college. I loved coaching at that level and uh, and certainly have a lot of respect for guys that do a really good job at that level. And we are being joined by a coach that's done a really great job at uh, at a junior college program. He is the head coach at Paris Junior College in Paris, Texas. We've got on the program today, we've got Clay Cox. Uh, very, very excited to have him on. He's a good follow on social media as well. If you if you've never uh, if you don't follow him currently on on Twitter especially, I'd recommend a follow there. But Clay Cox again, he's the head coach at Paris Junior College in Paris, Texas. I'll give you a background on Clay before we jump into questions with him. Today's podcast is brought to you by Crossover Symmetry and ArmCare.com. Clay graduated from Texas A&M in 2008 with a degree in kinesiology and a minor in coaching. He also holds two master's degrees, uh, one in coaching and athletic administration and a second one in teaching. Before he jumped to the college ranks as a coach, he coached at three different high schools, twice as the head coach, got his first college coaching job in the spring of 2014 at University of West Alabama. He was at West Alabama in the springs of 2014 and 15. The 2015 team finished 42-11, and 11, ranked as high as fifth nationally. From there, he jumped to be an assistant coach at Paris Junior College, where he is now. He was an assistant coach there in the spring of 2016, then hired in June of 2016 to be the head coach at Paris Junior College. At Paris, he, uh, he also serves as a kinesiology instructor, which might be uh, worth getting into in the podcast, just to kind of talk about how that uh, might tie in with, with coaching and, and things that he uh, experiences on the field. But but at Paris, he's, it's taken a couple years to get things going, but in 2019, they really saw things move in the right direction. The team in 2019 finished 25-30. and 30. They also led the conference that year offensively in home runs, triples, and stolen bases. Their home run totals were good enough for 23rd nationally. Their stolen base totals were good enough for 8th nationally in junior college baseball the 2020 team was off to a hot start they, st- they started 15 and 6 before things were shut down due to covid and then in 2021 back on the field for uh you know a reasonably full spring schedule the team finished 30 and 19 they advanced to the regional championship uh they also ranked in the top 10 nationally offensively again top 10 nationally this time in in uh, triples and stolen bases since going to paris uh, junior college coach Cox has helped more than 50 players move on to the four-year level the vast to play baseball. The vast majority of those players have gone to the Division I level. He's coached 16 all-conference selections, five all-region players, 93 academic All-Americans. And speaking of academic success, the team for now four straight years has finished second in all of NJCAA uh, baseball programs in team GPA. That's 388 teams in that compete in the National Junior College Athletic Association, and their team has finished second each of the last four years. Pretty incredible, the success they've had in the classroom. Coach Cox has also spent three seasons coaching with the, uh, the Brazos Valley Bombers in the Texas Collegiate League, where in three years they've won three straight league championships. Coach Cox, I certainly appreciate you joining us on the podcast today. Yeah, I appreciate you having us on. Um, you know, I uh, always look forward to chopping it up and talking shop, and I'm looking forward to what we can dive into today. So typically, Coach, I like to start with something from the bio that stands out to me, and uh, and you've got a couple things there, but one of them is 
is just your uh, your entry into college baseball, which I think that uh, you know I think that there's probably a lot of people listening to this that would like to get into college baseball, or would like to jump levels or whatever it may be. Um, could you talk a little bit just about how you got an in there at the University of West Alabama? How did you go about uh, getting that job? Did you know someone ahead of time? Did you just kind of blindly apply for something? Uh, you know, and if you can talk about, if you have any idea of what helped you get that job, I think people would like to hear that as well. Uh, I'm interested to see if maybe the kinesiology degree or anything else helped you or just the success you had uh, as a high school coach. But just curious how you jumped from high school high school coaching into, uh, you know, a college job at, at a really good college program, University of West Alabama. Yeah, so uh, my story is kind of a fun one, and uh, it's something that I can translate and, and talk to with recruits a lot about. Uh, as far as, you know, taking a shot and, as they say, shooting your shot. So I actually, when I was in college at A&M, I worked with the football team and we were still in the Big 12. Um, you know, baseball was always my baby growing up. I came from a town that we were a baseball town, and that's, you know, uh, as much as this Texas towns are football towns, that a lot of baseball history in the little town that I'm from. And so, you know, I always had baseball as my first love, but I had some opportunities when I finished up at A&M to go GA, coach some college football, and I couldn't I couldn't see myself not coaching baseball. And so I went the high school route because I wanted to coach both. Um, and so I started off the high school level. I was coaching, you know, at a, at a very small school when I first started, and I was coaching football, baseball, basketball, um, junior high, JV, varsity, all of it, you know, at a little 1A. And so you kind of had – had to wear a lot of hats, and then I moved on to get my first head coaching job uh, in Jacksboro, and I was I was coaching football, baseball. Moved down to Rockdale, which is a little closer to home, football, baseball, coach linebackers, was head baseball coach, and I had just been wanting to make the jump to college baseball, and I felt like I had gotten to a point where, you know, I love football, but I could give it up because I really wanted to coach college baseball, and that was my, my passion and my true love, and so in the spring of 2013, I sent out about 300 blind emails. Um, you know, I had talked to a, I, I didn't have a lot of connections at the collegiate level at that time. The couple that I did, I had known some guys that had grad, you know, been GAs and that type thing. And so we, uh, you know, I kind of asked for some advice from them. And I started sitting down and making a list of schools, you know, throughout the country, anywhere I could see myself going. And I sent out, like I said, about 300 blind emails. And I mean, I got a lot of no replies. I got a few, hey, you're on the right track. We don't have anything, but keep trying. Uh, and then I got one yes, and I was from the University of West Alabama and Coach Gary Rundles. You know, we, we started talking on the phone, talked on the phone a few times, and he said, um, you know, I, I want to be able to recruit in Texas a little more. We want to get you out here. And so I, uh, he said, but before we do and before we make it official, I want you to come see town. And so I drove out. Um, to to Livingston, Alabama, and if you don't know where that is, it's just across the Alabama-Mississippi state line, and um, it's about 45 minutes from the nearest Walmart. <laughs> and Division II University, it's an unbelievable little town, and you know the university really makes that place go. And I left there kind of going, man, this is three states away from home. Um, you know, I'm going to have to take about an 80 percent pay cut because it was a graduate assistant job. Um, and having a full-time job in high school level for five years, you know, I was I was making good money. And on the way home, I was kind of just kicking it back and forth and not knowing what I was going to do. And I finally just, you know, about Decatur, Mississippi, I called my mom. Who, you know, she's been a support system for me and my rock for a long time. And I just said, hey, you know what, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And, you know, if it doesn't work out, I can always go back to the high school level. But I'm talking about I want to coach college baseball. I'm going to have to take a, a chance and a leap of faith here and, I called Coach back, and I said, hey, I'll be there in August. Um, and I worked at camps at A&M all summer to kind of help make some extra money. And 
jumped in. And I think the, the biggest thing for me when I got to West Alabama was, you know, uh, Coach Rundles, Coach Steed, uh, Coach McCurdy, that staff, they, they never treated me. Um, you know, I wasn't a GA really. I had had experience. So I wasn't your typical GA that, you know, I was coming fresh off a playing career. Um, and they, they turned me loose. You know, uh, Steve, our recruiting coordinator, put me on the road. And if I found a guy and I said, hey, this is what we need to offer him, that's what we offered him. Um, they, they really let me grow as a coach and didn't, didn't try to hold me back, you know, and, and it was an unbelievable experience for me. Um, especially, you know, in 2015, I mean, we did some things that, you know, at the time you don't realize what you're doing. I mean, we won 20 in a row. We didn't lose a single midweek game all year. We were ranked, uh, I actually believe it was up to fourth in the country. We hosted a regional, lost to Tampa in our regional. We ended up winning the national championship. We had multiple draft picks off that team, including a second rounder, Tanner Rainey, who's with the, uh, the Nats in the big leagues right now. And so, you know, there were a lot of things that were just kind of like, man, you know, it, uh, it's uh, really special. And I was very fortunate that Coach Runnels gave me that opportunity. There's no doubt I wouldn't be where I am today. I finished my two years as my GA at West Alabama, and I went into summer ball um, in the um, the summer of 2015, our second year with the Bombers. I was with Tyler Gillum and Kurt Dixon, who were two of my best friends to this day. Um, and, you know, it, it was – I didn't have a job because my GA was done. So, Went into Coach's summer ball, and, and, you know, those guys were making calls for me. I was making calls. It just so happened uh, Coach Clark, who was here at, at Paris, he had a uh, he had his assistant leave, and he had a spot, and he hired me. And, I mean, what I learned from him in one year was probably maybe more than I've learned in an entire career. He's one of the best minds I've been around, not just with baseball, but um, with handling people, with building relationships. I mean, I, I tried to soak up everything I could, and, then after one year, he left to take the AD job at New Mexico Junior College, and I slid over to the head seat, you know, and um, that's kind of kind of how I got to where I am today. And, you know, with that being said, I mean, it was really I just I, – I started trying to find a way to get in, and I knew that, you know, I was going to have to pay my dues. I was understanding of that. I wasn't like, hey, you know, i got to go get a full-time assistant job at an NCAA school. I knew that wasn't going to happen. Um, I was fortunate, you know, that I was able to, you know, save some money, put some money back and, um, you know, had some help and was able to go take that pay cut and do that. And I really had to pinch pennies and, and live a little different for a few years. But, um, you know, it was an awesome opportunity for me. And kind of the same thing with the Bombers. You know, they were fresh off a perfect game, national championship in summer ball. And I was there and located in Bryan, Bryan College Station where I went to A&M and I emailed the GM and just said, hey, man, I'll come work for free um, next summer. I just want to be a part of that program. I know how good it is. And my first summer in 2014 with the Bombers, I mean, it was an unpaid, uh, it was an unpaid coaching gig. You know, I was the first base coach and um, they gave me an apartment and that's really all I got. And, you know, but uh, what I was able to learn with, with Gillum and, and Dixon, man, and the players we had come through there, I mean, you know, there were multiple, multiple draft picks in there. We had a couple of big leaguers that came through and I think we went 137 and 31 over three years. It was just really special to be able to coach every day with, what became my two best friends. And so, um, you know, it's been a fun journey. It definitely had its trying times. There were, there were a lot of, you know, hurdles to get over, but, um, you know, it's kind of how I related to recruits, you know, I mean, you, you can send out an email to every school that you're interested in because worst case, they're going to say no, but best case, one person says yes, and you find your opportunity. And that's exactly what happened for me. That's a pretty awesome story. And, uh, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of a commitment to, to even to do that, you know, to, continue to reach out to schools whether you're as a coach whether it's a coach or a player and uh, and hear a lot of no's and just continue to do it and believe that 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 one school that's going to be the right fit for you is eventually going to say yes 
And, uh, I mean, it's not like you caught on in a program that struggled for two years. You caught on with a program that, that was really good and you got to learn a lot there. Um, Clay, what would you, your coaching style today, who, if, if you could point to like one program or one coach, maybe a couple guys, a couple programs that kind of helped to mold you who you are today. Like if someone were to kind of look at you from, uh, an outsider's perspective and they would say, yeah, Clay's, his coaching style today really resembles, you know, this program you were a part of or that program you were a part of or, or you know, this coach has really had a big effect on him. You can tell that by the way he coaches. Who would you say that that person or, or people or, or even just a full program are that have that have really um, helped to shape you to who you are today as a coach? Oh, man, <laughs> um, that's, a, that's a great question. I don't think anybody's ever asked me that one. Um, I, I think it's kind of really as is, is, uh, coach speak as this may be, um, it's, it's a, it's a mixture and a hodgepodge of a lot. You know, I definitely think there's a lot of things, like I said, that I took from coach Clark, um, that have, that have helped me been able to run a successful program. I think that the freedom that I was allowed at West Alabama really helped me grow as a college coach. You know, I mean, I had never been recruiting before and they turned me loose and said, Hey, go do it. And, you know, coach Steed and coach Runnels and McCurdy, I mean, they kind of all gave me pointers and, um, you know, my high school coach from, you know, Rich Fondo is no longer in the game, but I mean, won a state championship at West in 99. I mean, he's a guy that when I first got my head job, that's the first guy I called, you know, I mean, he's a guy that uh, that's probably where some of my base running, you know, background comes from. I mean, they ran a triple steal in the, you know, in the state tournament, set all kinds of stolen base records in the Texas state tournament. Um, you know, so I think there's some offensive stuff that, that goes all the way back to the nineties with him. Um, you know, I don't know that I could just pinpoint it to one place. I think that really, you know, uh, those two summers with, with Kurt Dixon and, and Tyler Gill, I mean, I still draw my lineup up the way that Kurt used to draw it up every night on a, on a, you know, I draw a makeshift diamond where everybody's going to be. And then I number up a number on top of them. That's how Kurt drew his lineup up every night. You know, um, a lot of what I do offensively is, is very similar to, to Gillum's style that they run at South Mountain. Um, I would say that, you know, a lot of, a lot of, probably lies in those three summers um, style wise and and just um, what we were able to do as a group and as a unit there but I think I've taken little you know pieces of, of bits and, and things for everybody that I've been around and that's kind of you know I think what we tell young coaches all the time man, is it's not you know there's there's a lot of things that you can pick and choose and make your own you know you don't you don't have to use a drill just the same way that somebody's doing it uh, but maybe that drill's a great idea, but you like a tweak or two with it that makes it yours, you know. And so I think I've taken a little bit from everybody. I don't know that I can say that there's one person that really um, I, w- I model myself after, but there's definitely a lot of those people that I've, I've tried to mold myself after because they've been a big influence in my career and in my life. What about the style of play that that you guys run at Paris? Um I've never seen you guys play, obviously, but just looking statistically, you um, it seems like you have guys that, that can run. It seems like you, you do a lot of running. You obviously, you've been in the top 10 nationally in stolen bases several times since you've been to Paris. Um, you know, triples don't just happen by accident. To me, triples happen when you have a bunch of guys on your team that uh, that can really, really run and that put the ball in play a lot. Like, that's how that, that's how triples happen. Obviously, big parks have to have something to do with that as well. Um, but... Just curious um, about the style of play that you all run at Paris, and, and is that a result, Clay, of just a style of play that you believe in, or is that a result of uh, 
the personnel that you have? You know, do you does does the talent or or the type of player you have on your roster dictate what sort of offense you have? Because you guys have hit a bunch of home runs as well. It's not just not just you know stolen bases and triples. I mean, you guys have hit a lot of balls over the wall as well. But just kind of curious what um, what dictates the type, the style of offense that you all run at Paris. You know, I would say that it starts with um, Gary Gilmore at Coastal Carolina, and he uh, he had a quote at ABCA, I believe it was in Orlando, and he said, recruit the athlete, build the ball player. And um, that's what we do. We recruit athletes. You know, there's – you can you can do things to enhance a player's game. You can you can help him become a better defender. You can help him become a better hitter. But it's really hard to help somebody become a better athlete. Now you can do a lot of things that are going to promote and enhance athleticism. But you know, purely gifted athletes are purely gifted athletes. And so we try to build our system around that. Um, like I said, you know, going back to, to watching West um, when I was growing up and the style of play they ran, uh, the high pressure offense swiping bags it's always been a part of me and then being with Gillum uh, you know we're we're two peas in a pod and we came you know we, we set the stolen base record on TCL uh, which was the goal of ours we stole over 150 bags that summer uh, you know it, it's a pressure burst pipes mentality is what we we tell our guys uh, it's a high pressured offense um, we've been now we live in the weight room we live three days a week year round five days a week in the off season um, we, we eat iron and so we've got a lot of physical guys um, so we do run some balls out of there, you know, and uh, we can run. We, we've had a great combination of speed and power, and I think that's knowing what your what personnel you're you're trying to find. Um, you know, we've got we've got the athletes, but we've also got you know some big guys that can swing some big sticks. But I think when you you look at us, very rarely do we have just the big donkey that that can't do a little bit of both. Um, you know, a lot of our guys who have been power hitters for us are also really good athletes that can run a little. Uh, and that's, you know, recruiting to our style of play and who we are. I mean, for me at the junior college level, the more times you can put the ball in play and the, and the more pressure you can put on defense with speed, the more errors they're going to produce. And so, you know, we're, you know, we're all about our two strike approach. And, you know, I mean, for me, a, a rollover or a capper with two strikes is a heck of a lot better than a strikeout because, man, at, at that point in time, he's at least got to field the ball, throw the ball, and catch the ball at first base to get us out. And, you know, you put pressure on the more the more times you put it on, the, the better chance you have to create some errors. And so, um, you know, we're really, we're really about putting the ball in play and, and putting pressure on defenses. And so that goes back to recruiting the athlete, building the ball player, and then, you know, everything we do is going to try to put pressure on guys. I think that's uh... – it's really interesting, and I. It's something that I hope that, uh, you know, I, I wish that every recruit in the country would be able to hear that, because I think that there are some things to to take away from that, to glean from that, which is kind of where I, I guess the area I'd like to go into next. Clay, if you could talk to, if you had a chance to talk to all prospective student athletes in the country, high school age kids from freshmen through, you know, freshmen through high school seniors. Um, and, and help them to understand something that you don't feel like enough of them understand about the recruiting process, about what you as a college coach are looking for. Is there anything in particular you'd, you'd like to, you'd like to say, because I think that, uh, I think the impression that, that kids get by watching major league baseball, especially is that the game has changed and that, you know, stolen bases are a thing of the past and it's all about, you know, it's all about uh, it's all about home runs and and strikeouts are no big deal. But but you've obviously what you've just said in the past couple of minutes, um, 
you know, clearly that's not, that's not the type of, that's not the style of ball that you guys play. It's not exactly what you're looking for. But so if you're talking to recruits, Clay, and you could just, uh, you could give them a better idea or something that you wish more recruits understood so that when they're working, you know, toward becoming a college baseball player, toward earning a scholarship, if they just knew this, these one or two things, they'd be way better off and be a lot better prepared when you see them as a college recruiting coordinator. So if there were, if there was anything that you just wish kids knew um, across the board as, as high school age prospective student athletes, is there anything you can point to? Yeah. Number one, I'm going to say what I tell a lot of these guys when I do recruiting talks, and that's figure out the weight room. <laughs> um, you know, they're, there are too many times that, that guys just rely on maybe what they're getting in school. And, and, you know, I get it a lot of times at the high school level, if you have a baseball period, you're wanting to get, you're wanting to get skill work in, right? Cause you're wanting to get out there with the guys. You're wanting to, you want to make them better. And so maybe you get a couple, a couple, you know, circuit workouts in a week. Now I know some great high school programs around here that they, they get in there at six o'clock in the morning, three to five days a week. And they're lifting heavy and doing those things. But so many recruits come in so far behind. I mean, if you see the number of PRs that get set by our freshmen, and particularly even more so those guys that were straight baseball in high school, this is the first time they've ever been in a true off-season program. It's astronomical. And so, you know, when you show up on campus, if you haven't been in the weight room and you haven't worked, you know, on the physicality side of it, now you're going up, even at a junior college, just a JC, you're going up against 20 and 21-year-old guys who have, you know, had two to three years of their body maturing, who have been in the weight room for that time. You're 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 so far behind that now you're playing catch up, trying to get to them. When if you came in ready out of the weight room, now there's not as big of a gap to bridge, and now it can come down a little more to skill and some of those things. But you know, um, you've got to find the weight room, and you got to find time, and it's taking ownership in your career. You know, we talk about that a lot with our guys because obviously they have goals to to get to the next level if they're coming here. And we don't want them to come here if they don't have aspirations to play at the next level. And, you know, I don't want somebody just wants to play two more years of baseball. I want guys that want to go somewhere. And, um, but, you know, we, it's taking ownership of your career. So if you're only going in the weight room and getting in the weight room and your coach is telling you to, you know, during school, then, then you're wrong and you're behind. Um, you know, so many guys talk about, I want to go play college baseball. I want to do this. I want to do that. But, you know, it's it, – do you talk about it or do you really do you really want to do it? You know, do you like the idea of being a college baseball player or do you want to play college baseball? There's a big difference there, um, you know, and so I think the weight room is obviously one. Um, and then, you know, on the hitting side of things, you know, yeah, there's a lot of guys who may view that, you know what, these guys are getting paid a lot of money uh, at the big league level to strike out and hit a lot of bombs. But you know what, the college level wasn't about, it's about winning, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, the Division One level, those coaches' jobs are are dependent upon their winning percentage. And so you think they, they want a guy who can flat out hit, or do you think they want a guy that might run 10, 15 bombs out of the yard a year? I mean, hitters hit. And if, you got, if you're a guy that can spray the ball around the yard, then, then you're going to find a way to get in the lineup. Um, you know, what I tell guys all the time is, look, man, I'm just looking for your best swing. Put a double swing on it. If that ball's supposed to leave the yard, it will. I mean, guys buy into our two-strike approach. They start realizing they're not losing power, and they can still run the ball out. And, and obviously, you know, um, getting in the weight room is going to help with that power in your lower half and strength. And, um, but, you know, I mean, I want to see a guy who can hit. And a guy who can hit is going to find a way in the lineup, whether he's running the balls out of the yard or he's got the gap and can run some doubles and triples and leg it out because runs are runs. And so, you know, we, we want guys that can – that can hit and um you know i 
for us in our system, it just doesn't fit to have guys that, that are swinging and missing a lot. But, you know, I mean, if, if you're, you're going to have to be talking about running 15 to 20 bombs out to make that difference of hitting, you know, 230, 240. When, when you're looking at the Division One coach and he's looking at a guy, a guy's maybe hitting, you know, 270, but he's got eight bombs. Was that really worth giving up a guy who's hitting 410, you know, and drove in even more runs? Um, and so I think there's places for both. Um, and that's the other thing, you know, for recruits to understand is that find the right fit for you. You know, if, if you're a if you're a guy who is, you know, a, a guy who's going to – his game's ne- not necessarily going to fit that school, but that's where your offer is right now and you feel like you have to commit, don't don't commit just because that's that's who you got. You know, commit to the fit and uh, make sure that you find the right program where you have the chance to be successful and not just somebody who's giving you some love. Um, you know, make sure that you find what's going to work for you. Today's podcast is brought to you by Crossover Symmetry and ArmCare.com. If you want to build cannon arms that stay in top condition all year, check out ArmCare.com. Developed by Crossover Symmetry, ArmCare.com measures players' arm strength and range of motion and delivers customized prep, strength, and recovery training based on each player's wellness scores, strength needs, throwing workloads, and fatigue. It gives you the tools to keep your players in their peak all season. So check out the team packages that are on armcare.com and gain a competitive advantage in player development. Your players will be healthier, throw harder, and win when it counts. Armcare.com. Clay, it's amazing to hear some of those things you say, and I and I hope people that listen to this podcast don't um, feel like this is on repeat, but, but I end up asking a lot of college coaches some similar questions, and I only do it because I think it's important to hear that it's not like I'm finding the one or two college coaches in the country who believe this stuff. And I'm, I'm certainly not trying to put words in your mouth, but I just, you know, I want to, I want to ask questions about, you know, what type of offense you like and what kind of guys you like to recruit, because I think it's really important to hear. And I don't know that there are enough, um, you know, 15, 16 year old, 17 year old hitters out there who understand what college coaches are looking for. And I think that if you want to be the type of guy who is recruitable, you know, but you're not, you know, a, a really huge physical, uh, natural, naturally big and strong kid, like there's still a, a good chance for you to go play at a good college program if you just, you know, if you have the best game that, if you play with the best game that you can with your own skills that, that you've been given. And obviously, like you said, the weight room helps anybody. But being in the weight room doesn't mean you need to change the kind of hitter you are. You know, I'm I'm 5'11", and, and now I'm, you know, about 170 pounds and I was like 155. And when I went to college and like getting in the weight room, didn't mean that I was going to change the type of player that I was. Um, it didn't mean that I was going to, all of a sudden I was going to get stronger and, and try to start hitting more balls over the wall. It just meant that the line drives I was going to hit through the three, four hole or the five, six hole were going to come off a bat harder and, and have less of a chance of being caught. Right. And, and, and the balls that I was going to hit, maybe that would have been at somebody will be over somebody's head or, or whatever. It doesn't mean you change the kind of player you are. It just, it gives you more of an advantage on uh, with the type of player that you already are. Do you have to have that conversation with guys? Like when guys get in the weight room, and they start seeing, you know, they start looking at themselves in the mirror and start like seeing, seeing gains. Or like you said, they set they're setting personal records um, in the weight room. Do you sometimes have to talk guys out of trying to become something different and and just basically uh, talk to them about like, hey man, you're still the same player. Like you need to be the same hitter. You're just going to 
have more success like this. Or you, you're going to you're going to hit more extra base hits, but it's not because you're trying to. It's just because like that's a perk of getting stronger. But you're not trying to change the type of player you are. Do you have to have that conversation with guys as they come into college and get onto your weight program and start seeing the physical gains? So you said something um, earlier in that statement, and we don't really have to necessarily have that conversation because we had that conversation prior to. In our first offensive meeting of the year, we have a slide that, that's titled be, be You. And, you know, that's exactly what you're talking about. You know, I, if I got a 5'8 guy who runs 6'4", you know, I don't I don't need you lifting fly balls and, and, and a lot of F7s, F8s, man. You know, a gap-to-gap line drive approach. I mean, you know, we got a young man right now who was in another junior college last year out in Region 5 in West Texas. He swiped 29 bags, you know. So a, a line drive single for him, good chance we might turn that into a double. Um, and so we talk early about being yourself and being who you are and not trying to be somebody different. And then again, I mean, you know, I, it's just my terminology, but like I tell guys, I said, hey, you know, put a good double swing on the ball. And if it's supposed to leave, it'll leave. And, you know, those guys, that just means put your A swing on it, you know, um, be good through the baseball, be strong and, and be and stay connected. And, you know, when that ball is supposed to leave the yard, it will. Um, you know, and, and we're going to, we're going to do things that, that are going to, you know, hopefully, hopefully, promote and enhance that, you know, through our work and the gauges and, and BP. But, um, you know, it, it's – you do. I mean, and, and at times you have guys – you know, I, I'll be honest, the first week of the year, uh, we get we get the guys in about a week before school starts just to kind of get acclimated, get the calf, and get welcome to junior college and, and some conditioning and those things. And, um, you know, the first week of BP, I, I don't give any instruction. I don't – I just – you know what – Got a, you got a bunch of 18 to 20 year old new guys on campus. They need to flex their muscles, and I just let them get it out of their system. You know, dip and rip and try to show off this week, and you know, um, you know, be the be the big man on campus. And next week we'll get all you know we'll have all that out of our system, and we can we can get to an approach. Um, you know, and so you know, knowing who you are is probably the most important thing. Um, and that's how we can we can be successful as an offense is passing the stick and, and being who you are. And you know we're going to run the ball out. We're supposed to. And and um, you know, but I don't need a guy, a bunch of guys that are trying to do that and swinging and missing. You know, for us, we're we're going to talk even more than than talking about um, swing mechanics or or a swing, b swing. You know, getting being flat, getting uphill, all the all the arguments that go on in the Twitterverse right now. We're we're going to talk mostly about approach, and we're going to talk about what we're looking for and what counts and how we're trying to do things. And, um, you know, I, I give a lot of offensive freedom with my hitters because, you know, everybody's been swinging the way they've been swinging for a long time. And we recruited you because you can hit, you know, I mean, why would I recruit a guy that can hit and just bring him in here to change the swing? Now you're hitting a buck 70, a buck 80. We're going to, we're going to get on some film and we're going to change some things. You know, we're going to tweak what needs to be tweaked, but you're hitting 380 and, and, you know, killing it. I'm, I'm not going to touch you, man. We're going to talk about approach and, and mentality and, and those type things and, and what we're trying to do and our two-strike approach is huge for us offensively again. But, um, you know, I'm not going to – if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, and so, you know, those guys that know who they are and can be themselves, it's a lot more – it's a lot easier of a transition um, because we, you know, we can let them be themselves and we don't have to sit here and tweak them a ton and start messing with them and get them uncomfortable in the box, um, more so than a guy that comes in and tries to, to be somebody he's not. And we've constantly got to say, hey, man, look, this isn't who you are. You know, and, and what at the end of the day, what it comes down to is if you're trying to be somebody you're not, you're not going to be successful. And what's that mean? You're not going to be in the lineup, you know. So do you want to buy into who you are and have a chance to, to get in there and help us win ball games, or 
you know, do you want to continue to do, do something that you're not and, and not be in the lineup? I'd like to ask you a little bit more, Clay, about approach. You you said it a couple times there that you work with your guys on an approach. For someone, I, I've talked with, you know, pro hitters on the podcast before about approach, and, and several of them have said, you know, I didn't know what an approach was in high school. I, I'd never even heard that word, didn't know what that meant. Can you give people an idea of what, when you say that you talk with your hitters about an approach, can you talk a little bit about what that means exactly? Yeah, so – you know, what we're looking for, what we're hunting, um, trying to take the guessing um, out of out of your at-bat. You know, a lot of guys, when you say they don't have an approach, it's, it means they're up there just free swing. They, they don't know what they're looking for. They're trying to just they're, – they're trying to hit too many pitches at one time instead of looking for something that they can get and drive, um, whether it be a certain pitch or a certain location, depending on what – you know, there's a lot of different, obviously um, – offensive mindsets out there and how they want to do things and so you know what are we looking for in certain counts you know our scouting reports say what is this pitcher what are his tendencies what is he throwing and what counts we're looking for this if he's ahead we're looking for this if he's behind you know 10 out of 11 first pitches he's thrown this against us and so we're constantly trying to make sure that hey you know we know what we're looking for uh we know what we want to do with the baseball where we want to try to drive it more so than just getting up there and going up there and trying to hit because, you know, then as an 18 to 20 year old or a 14 to 18 year old in high school, you're guessing. And that's a question I'll ask, you know, like if a guy looks lost in the box and I the first thing I'll say is, Hey, what were you doing up there? And he'll say, I was guessing. And when you're guessing, you know, there's too many mind games in there. And that's why we try to, again, you know, with the offensive freedom and not just trying to overhaul swings. For me, one of the number one things in the box for a hitter is being comfortable, right? Because then he's, he can relax his mind's free, he's able to breathe, but as soon as you start forcing him to think about a lot of other things, now his mind is not where it needs to be and not on that approach and not looking to kill something, um, you know, and hunt that pitch. And then our two-strike approach has been the, the biggest game changer for us. You know, you talked about that 2019 season where we led, you know, we were top 23 and or, you know, top 25 in home runs and we led in so many offensive categories. I mean, we were top 20 in almost every offensive category, but I'll tell you this, we led the country in strikeouts. And it just, for me, it was not who I was, you know, and, and it was not, you know, I mean, we were 25 and 30, right? We were we were a, a sub-500 team. Um, we still had a chance late to, to get into a regional, uh, just missed. But, uh, you know, for me, I, I came into twenty the, the fall of 2019, the spring of 2020 season, and we got here in the fall of 19. I said, look, guys, I said, you know, I think that 2019 club, if I would have tried to implement a two-strike approach, I just think we had a lot of guys that might not have completely bought into that because the, the, the philosophies of hitting were so different within that group. But in the fall of 2019, I said, hey, look, I don't care what you think. Um, I give you a lot of freedom. This is the one thing we're going to do. We're going to go to a unified two-strike approach because I'm telling you right now, we were the worst in the country last year. So the numbers tell you we need to change something, and we're going to change this. And, uh, you know, I talked with Cheese over at Mississippi State, and he's a friend of mine, and we kind of took some things from their two-strike approach and, and implemented it. And our goal is to win 70% of, of our two-strike pitches. And uh, with that being said, you know, we charted that in the dugout. And, uh, you know, on the year, I think we won 72%. And, you know, our strikeout totals in, in that two years since then have been down 40% from where they were. Uh, because now guys are a lot more comfortable in two strike counts. Instead of going, oh, man, I got two strikes. I hope I don't strike out here. 
you know, a guy misses his first pitch fastball and used to, he would have been in his mind going, man, I got this my pitch. I should have hit that. Now guys are going, hell, I'm as comfortable with two strikes as I am. Oh, oh, so bring it on, you know, and, and they find a comfort level in the box with two strikes. That's, that is just different. That confidence level is so high that they know they're going to be just, they're going to be okay with two strikes. and They're not worried about striking out. Um, and so that's been an absolute game changer for us. You know, I mean, one of the, one of the biggest compliments I can get offensively now with, this, with, with these groups that we've had since then is, hey, man, you guys just don't quit with two strikes. You guys are fighting. You know, we had the other day uh, in an inner squad last week, our leadoff guy, he uh, he was down, I think, 0-2-1-2, and he battled to an 8-9 pitch at uh, walk to lead off the game, right? Well, now, you know, you just you used nine pitches right out of the box for a walk. And uh, we talk about pitch count with the opposing team. Hey, we want to chase that pitcher by the fifth inning. And so – the more times we can do things like that, you know, we foul a ball off in a two-strike count. That's a win for us because now that guy has to know, throw another pitch, and that's one more pitch towards his pitch count, you know, and getting that arm tired. So um, that's really changed the mentality of it for us. It's kind of just a grinder mentality of we're not going down, refuse to lose. Uh, relentless is the word we like to use. And so, you know, that's really changed it for us and, and become a big piece of uh, our identity and who we are. That's awesome. I know that there are, there are a lot of guys that I used to coach as a hitting coach you know, our two-strike approach was non-negotiable for our teams as well. Um, and uh, I know I had a lot of players over the years that, especially like once they, they you know, they did it in the fall, they're kind of getting used to it in the fall, and they get to the spring, especially maybe guys who are in their second year in the program. Would There were several guys through the years that would come up to me and say, Coach, I feel better in my two-strike approach than I do in my normal approach. And I'd have to talk them out of being in their two-strike approach all the time because I think, in, you know, for our teams, things that we did – two-strike approach, you give up a little bit of power, and you know I, well, you, you want a chance to hit an extra base hit early in the count, but there were some guys that, that you kind of couldn't talk out of it there. They just felt like they felt so comfortable and felt like they couldn't be fooled in that two-strike approach that they just wanted to be in that all the time. Um, and it's, we, we, I will say on that note, I've had some guys that were struggling or in a slump, quote, you know, that I've said, hey, you know what? Let's just go straight to the two strike approach every at bat this game, um, and and see if we can't you know pepper a few balls and and just do something to kind of get you out of it. And it's typically been you know it's because just like talking about now they're comfortable in that approach. So instead of thinking about that slump or thinking about struggling, you know what? Hey, we went straight to it. We 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 widened out. We, we got a little more barrel control, and you know we're able to kind of fight our way out of it. Um, it's something we've used there. But I know what you're saying too, and. I think that, you know, one of the things is, is as guys get stronger in the weight room, like you were talking about and those things and guys kind of see, I mean, we, we had a couple guys in the fall last year, ran, ran some balls down the two strike approach and we're going, well, heck man, I mean, you know, I got a little more barrel control. I still got the bat through the zone and ran a ball out. So I'm not losing a ton of power. So that helped them buy into being in a two strike approach in two strike downs because, Hey, you know what? I still, I still am strong. <laughs> I still got a good swing. And so, you know, I definitely, it goes a lot of ways and um, I think it can be beneficial for sure. And that two-strike approach is all about competing, right? I mean, it's just, it's such a competitive mindset where, like you said, I think it's an important part of anybody that, that has a two-strike approach is, is, you know, drilling into your players' heads that you're trying to win every pitch. That's all you're trying to do is win, win the pitch. And if you foul a pitch off, you want it because you, know, you, didn't, you didn't get caught, you didn't, you didn't strike out. You're not out. You live to see another pitch. Like you won that pitch. The pitcher didn't win that. And when you create that mentality, just like you were saying, when guys are struggling, 
you 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 get them out of the mindset of them of them thinking like, man, I'm like one for my last 14 here. Like, man, I, I just can't buy a hit. Instead of that, it's it's like you're just competing one pitch at a time. And I think when you you, know, you break things down to that one pitch at a time mentality, and you do that at the plate, we're just trying to win every pitch. And you know, winning a pitch includes taking balls that are borderline. You know, or like an 0-0 pitch or, or you know a 2-0 pitch that's a it's a called strike, but it's not a pitch you should have swung at. Like that's that's a win in in a lot of different counts for a lot of different guys. And, and uh, I think when you you just you change the mentality a little bit, and in that two strike approach, you just allow guys to just compete every pitch. I think, you know, like you're saying, that uh, I think it it allows guys to do what they should be doing in the first place. But it's hard. It's hard when you're in a slump. Um, things aren't going your way to to focus on the right things. But that two strike approach can sometimes you know, get you in such a competitive mindset that that's all you're thinking about is competing pitch to pitch and you end up winning a lot of at bats. Yeah, definitely. And that, you know, I mean, you'll see the dugout get fired up, right? I mean, you know, we had a freshman that was ended up being all region. He's a sophomore, third base force this year. He signed with Western Kentucky in the fall. And, um, you know, he comes in off the bench as a true freshman last year in a, in a very tight um, conference ball game, tied late. And a dude battled off 10 pitches before busting a double. And, uh, you know, you talk about just deflating the other side, right? I mean, that guy just, it's pitch after pitch. And, and the guy, you know, when you're just constantly fouling balls off, peppering balls off until you get the ball you're looking for to drive, um, it can really be an, an emotional dagger for that guy on the mound going, man, I battled so hard and I lost that, you know. And now, again, you just use 10 to 12 pitches in one at-bat, right? So now if that guy's got to use 30 pitches to get out of the inning, well, we just use a big chunk of what he's got for the day, hopefully. Um, and so it is, it's a, it's a grinder mentality, blue collar mentality. And I, like I said, the word we use is relentless, man. I just, I want guys who refuse to go down up there. Um, and you know, I mean, it, it's been a, it's been a MO for us. It's been a mentality and it's, it's hard, it, you know, especially with freshmen coming in. There's days that, you know, I, I can tell when a guy's not, not locked in and not bought into our two strike approach. And I tell him, like, man, if you can't buy into this, you know, you're not going to make it here because this is a big piece of who we are offensively and our identity. Um, and so, you know, it takes a while. And luckily when you have the sophomores that have been through it and they've seen it pay off for them, it's, you know, better when it's coming from that peer of, hey, look, man, I kind of was the same way. I didn't know if I was going to, you know, really like this or not, but I'm telling you what it did for me last year, what it did for the team. You know, I had a kid that I think he had a uh, true freshman on a probably start center field for us this year, and um, he had he had one or two strikeouts all fall, and I remember he was in the 0-2 down. He worked his way back into a triple uh, in a fall game, and he gets the third. He's like, man, I love this two-strike approach. And when you hear that, you know, it, it's just nice that they have something that they're like, hey, you know what, this is really working and it's paying off. And so when they can see that success, um, you know, it's just another another tool for the tool belt. That's awesome. You talked a little bit about that it's one of the better compliments that you've gotten is other coaches that will come to you after a series and just say, man, your guys compete with two strikes. They just they won't give in. It's and and they're just how competitive your guys are with two strikes. What else do you think your opponents? say about you coach cox or, or your teams how or how would you like to let me phrase it this way how would you like other teams to talk about your team i just i'd like to give people just kind of an idea of exactly what you're trying to achieve there at paris junior college so you know what do you think coaches say or what would you like them to say after playing you guys when they describe how your team is and and uh the style of play that you guys play just and some key characteristics to the players on your team i would say blue collar those in the dirt, gritty, um, you know, play fast, play hard. Um, 
you know, just a, a bunch that, that refuses to lose and, and doesn't go down. You know, um, I'll have four year. I've had some four year coaches that text me after coming to watch this play and say, "Man, I just love y'all's brand of baseball. Like y'all, y'all play like your hair's on fire." And that's what I want. You know, I if we're gonna make a mistake, let's make a mistake going 100 miles an hour. You know, I can handle that. I can. The way I've always put it is, you know, I, I would rather have to. I would rather slow a racehorse down and have to kick a dog and get the tail. Um, you know, I, I want to have to rein guys in and not try to push guys to, to go. And so we want guys that are blue collar. Um, nose in the dirt type guys that they just come in and, and they're going to leave, you know, the dirt bag mentality. You know, we're, we're going to leave that, that field with dirty uniforms and, and sweat stained hats. And we gave it everything we got. We were out there. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to be some flashy, fancy prima donna looking bunch. Uh, that's not who we are. Uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to play our style of baseball and our brand of baseball is just a blue collar game. And it takes a special kind of guy. It takes what we call an OKG, our kind of guy. You know, we're, it's junior college, man. You know, you're going to ride too deep on a bus, sleep four to a hotel, eat PB and J's a lot of days, you know, and so it takes a special kind of player to be able to do that. And, uh, we get, we want guys that those things don't matter to them. They don't, they're not worried about all the fancy things, you know, now we give our guys a lot of nice things. I mean, we've got, eight or nine new, you know, Under Armour uniform tops. But I don't want guys that that's what they're looking for. I want guys that just say, hey, you know what, this program, what it's done in the past, what the guys say about it in the past, where it's put players, that's why I want to go there because I want to develop. Uh, you know, I, we want guys that are blue-collar, hard-nosed guys. Do you – so I'm going to go back now to uh, Coach Gilmore's quote. Recruit the athlete, build the player, build the ball player. Do you recruit those types of guys specifically, or do you make that type of player? You know, is your program set up in the fall and with the leadership you have with your sophomores that you can recruit good athletes and turn them into that really blue collar player, Coach Cox, or do you, do you, are those the guys that you're recruiting first? Are you recruiting athletic blue collar guys, and and you'll um, you'll polish up their baseball skills, or are you recruiting athletic guys who are who are good baseball players but maybe don't have the blue collar thing as much, and you'll kind of uh, you'll practice that into them. You'll you'll they'll just they'll kind of by osmosis you know pick it up when they get to your campus. And I'm asking this partly because I know that travel baseball is not conducive to blue collar much. Maybe some programs are, but a lot of travel baseball is about like, I'm going to show up this weekend. I'm going to get my at bats. You know, it's not like a team kind of mentality. It's not like win at all costs. I'm going to you know sacrifice my body to win. It's more like I'm going to show up and get my at bats or get my innings and like get my work in. and I'm going to showcase myself and, and that's, that's it. So I, I don't know how much, you know, travel baseball is conducive to your type of baseball. So, Go back to my question. Do you recruit the athlete who's a blue-collar guy and you'll polish the baseball skills, or do you recruit the athlete? Because you did say that you, you guys want to recruit athletes. Are you recruiting athletes who are have really good baseball skills and you'll kind of you'll you'll coach the blue-collar into them? No, we're, we're going to recruit the OKGs, um, the athletic blue-collar type guys. And I can tell you that there's been days that um, my recruiting coordinator and I have sat on visits and, you know, after that visit was over, we just look at each other and go, hey, he's not our kind of guy. 
and really good ball players. You know, I mean, it may be somebody that, that could really, you know, be a very successful ball player, but if they don't fit our brand and they don't fit who we are, um, it's not going to work out because, you know, you have to have a mentality. I don't like, and I, and I say this all the time, so I'm sure people have heard me say it before, but I don't like the term that if you love it, it's not a, it's not a grind. The junior college is an absolute grind, but you grind because you love it. And if I got guys that I don't think are blue collar enough to be able to handle all the things that we're going to do, um, it's not going to work out anyway. And so I don't, I don't want to go down that road. Now I'm not saying you don't miss on some because you know you, you feel like that may be who they are and they're not. Um, but we're going to do our best to try to find the guys that um, can fit who we are to start. Uh, you know, and we, I, I tell guys all the time. You know, I mean, we've got almost an 85 percent Division One transfer rate here in our five years with almost you know. 10 guys here going to division one, uh, you know, but I don't guarantee if you come here, you're going to go division one. I don't guarantee if you come here as an arm, you're going to gain X amount of miles an hour in your fastball. You're going to, I guarantee two things. And the one is you're going to be tougher because we are going to run that blue collar mentality and we're going to, we're, you know, we're going to work hard. You're going to be tougher. And two, you're going to appreciate things more. You know, I want guys who after they, like I said, rode too deep on a bus, eating PB&J, sleeping four to a hotel. Now that you've done that, when you get to that four-year school where you're getting all those fancy things, you have managers who are doing all your stuff for you, and you're flying on a charter jet to a regional eating a steak dinner, you're so thankful for that because of what you've gone through and where you came from that you're appreciative of it, more so than maybe that guy that's all he's ever known because that's where he went straight out of high school. You know, and we talk all the time to guys about, you know, I've been fortunate to coach, you know, almost 50 guys who have played professional baseball. I think four that are in the big leagues right now. And they'll tell you that the guys who have been to junior college, really, everybody thinks pro ball sexy, man. It's not sexy until you get on up there in AAA, you know. And, and a lot of guys who have been through junior college, rookie balls, Juco all over Man, you're eating ham sandwich spreads, driving 10, 11 hours overnight on buses, sleeping, you know, in a hotel for a few hours, getting up and going to the yard. Those guys who have been through JUCO and been through that grind, they're a, they're a lot more adaptive to that than those guys who, you know, have played in the SEC and the Big 12 and, and haven't ever had to go through that situation. Um, you know, I mean, I know guys who have come back, you know, out of the SEC and told guys, hey, man, I know what junior college is like. I played rookie ball, you know. <laughs> I, finally, I, finally know I finally know what your JUCO guys have gone through. And so, um, you know, we, we want those those kind of mentalities and those type of guys. And Again, it's not to say that we're not going to miss on some. And, and, and we hope that if we do that, you know what, we've got so many of those OKGs in our program and so many of those guys that we can breed that into them and that they do learn to grow into be that kind of person because at the end of the day man as many big leaguers as we've had or however many pro ball guys or division one players we're gonna have a lot more husbands and fathers and i want guys who are able to go out and, and be contributing members of society uh you know and, and grow as a young man just as much as i want to do as a ball player and so we're trying to teach them all of those things um you know the things that they 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 i'm wearing them out right now about some little things that you know we're, we're doing daily that aren't taking care of business and, and they don't you know i tell them all the time that you know if you take care of the little things, the big things like winning are going to take care of themselves. And so they don't understand sometimes right now why I get on them about why, you know, when the water cooler was left out or if a gate wasn't unlocked, it needs to be unlocked for practice. And so, but all of those things, you know, lead up to being a successful unit um, in, in baseball and in life. And so, you know, I tell them all the time, we're a unit, but if each person individually takes care of their job, then as a unit, we will be successful. 
Um, and if somebody doesn't take care of that job, then our job as a unit is to pick that guy up, you know, and make sure he does the next time. And so, you know, we're looking for those those type of guys that are that are blue collar guys. But if we find one that maybe he isn't or wasn't that quite the the blue collar we thought he was, you know what? Maybe he'll he'll learn to be that in our system because of what we preach and what we do. I was debating not asking, but I'm just going to ask. I don't claim to be any kind of a cool person on this podcast, and you know I'm a dad, and I'll just I'll just stick to being a dad, I guess. What in the world is this acronym that you keep using, the OKGs? Maybe I need to just so, Google it instead of ask you, but I'm just going to ask you. Uh, um, our kind of guy. Okay. Our kind of guy. And so, you know, uh, I think actually, um, you know, uh, I think it was Dex who maybe coined the term OKG, but we had been, and so I started using that, but we had been using the term our kind of guy for a long time. So, when I would, you know, during the, the summer ball years with the Brass Valley Bombers, you know, Kurt Dixon was coaching at Eastern Oklahoma State at the time. Tyler was in uh, Phoenix at South Mountain, and I was out in Alabama. So we're, you know, worlds away from each other, but all year long we're recruiting the roster. And so we would get on calls, you know, weekly or however often and talk about the roster and stuff. And, you know, if one of us was like, hey, man, he's our kind of guy then there wasn't something tangible. You know, that wasn't something in black and white you could put in a stat column. But we as a whole knew, okay, well, if he's saying he's our kind of guy, we know what that means. You know, he, he fits who we are as as what we're, we place the importance on and just kind of that dirtbag, you know, hey, he's our kind of guy. That's all you had to say on one of those calls if you wanted a guy was, hey, he's our kind of guy. And, um, you know, and then I think down the road, Dags uh, maybe coined the OKG phrase was the first time I'd heard that. And so we've got to just, you know, continue to use it. But um, it just it, it's hard to place, um, you know, there's not a there's not a definition I can give you. I know what it means, um, but it's a lot of things that it just he's he's our kind of guy. He fits our program. And, um, you know, we want we want those types of guys, because, again, uh, you know, when you start looking at junior college and you look at the hours, the, the numbers of hours practice, the study halls, uh, weights, you know, we do yoga three days a week, games, you know, we're going to be playing five to six games a week, you know, coming up here pretty soon and, and trying to get our classwork in and do all of that. It, it's a it's a grind. And so, you know, we have to have guys that mentally are able to handle that. And, um, you know, we have to be able to try to help whatever areas we can enhance you know, the opportunities for them to be successful in that scenario. One last thing I want to ask you, Coach Cox, before we wrap this up. Uh, I know you've had a lot of players that have moved on to the Division One level, and we've talked about it a little bit on the podcast. Um, you know, one of the things I think is an issue with high school-age kids is the D1 or bust mentality. Um, what? How do you talk to your players once they get on your campus – as far as what their goals should be, you know, or what kind of what kind of uh, team they should move on to from here, what level, you know, is it? Uh, do you have guys that that even at the junior college level are kind of like D one or bust, or do you talk to guys about, you know, what's the best fit for them as far as, you know, finding a place where they can play, finding a place um, where they can have an impact, finding a place where they're going to win. Uh, a lot of games, even if it's not the D1 level, or just kind of curious what the conversations are like that you have with your guys about, you know, what level they're moving on to, 
what level's right for them and, and how exactly you figure that out and what's going to be the best thing for that kid as opposed to the D1 or bust type of mentality. Yeah, so I've got I, I've got a number of different things on that, you know, and one to start with is that, you know, I think I think social media is a great tool, but I think it's also one of the biggest detriments to society at this point. You know, I mean, these kids in high school see their buddies committing and, and you know, they, I got to commit, I got to commit, I got to be able to put out this tweet and, and do those types of things. And, and, you know, right now with the transfer portal and then you got junior college guys, you know, it really the, the junior college route has become a lot more of a, a legitimate, you know, even more so than in years past option for those high school guys, because, you know, we need to kind of let all this, this, this COVID, the transfer portal, we need to let some of that settle um, because, you know, those guys who just, go to a division one program just because they want to say they're part of a division one program. Um, you know, a former coach of mine coined this term and we call them Halloween players because they just want to wear the costume. You know, if a guy is willing to just go sit on the bench at a division one college because he wants to be able to say he's a division one ball player, that's not a guy we want anyway, because that's not a competitor. A competitor wants to be on the field, right? He wants to, he wants to be out there every day getting after it. So that's not our kind of guy. Um, you know, with that being said, I mean, you know, everybody wants to play Division One baseball, right? I mean, everybody that come here, they, they, they hope they have they have the, what it takes to play Division One baseball. Um, and again, I, I make sure and I tell every recruit, like, hey, man, I, I'm not a used car salesman. I'm, I'm very transparent. Um, we're going to tell you the truth. And, and for me, that is, hey, man, I'm not telling you if you come here, you're going to transfer Division One because what you do on the field and what you, you know, what you produce on the field, that's what's going to determine whether you go to division one or not, or division two or division three or NAI. And I've got no problem with any of them. I mean, again, I, one of the best teams I've ever been a part of was the university of West Alabama. Um, you know, we were division two and Hey, I'm going to tell you right now, we walked over into a weekend series and swept a division one team, <laughs> you know? And so we were really good. And, and in my opinion, you know, I mean, Tanner Rainey again was a second rounder out of there. If it's the draft type things, they're going to find you wherever you are. You know, there's great levels and great teams or great teams and great players at every level. And so, yeah, I mean, a lot of our guys want to go to Division One. obviously. I mean, that's just that's a dream for a lot of guys. And so, you know, as sophomores, they come in that first week and I meet with each guy individually and we have them bring in a list of, of their top ten target schools. And I'll tell them, hey, you know, put a dream school or two on there if you want. Um, and sometimes, you know, you have to have kind of a conversation. Hey, man, look, I'm looking at this list. These are a bunch of great schools and they're great programs. I'm with you. But, you know what, where you're at right now, this is what, you know, you're going to have to do if you really truly want to be able to go to these type places. Um, and in the same regard, you know, we talked to them about trying to find the right fit. You know, do you want to go somewhere again where you're sitting on the bench or you want to go to, you know, I mean, I, at West Alabama, you know, we lost some guys that, um, you know, here we are chasing rings and we're a top five team in the country. And, and a guy would go to a division one that, you know, went 10 and 40 last year. And I'm going, okay, you know, I understand it's division one, but is that really, is that, are you going to be happy in that scenario? What's going to make you happy is being able to be just a division one player going to make you happy. And Hey, do that. Um, but is, you know, a competitor wants to be on the field and wants to play no matter what that level is. I mean, I had a young man who he actually uh, just texted me last night. He's signing an independent ball contract this week. I'm fired up for him. He's a former uh, former right-handed pitcher for us, and, and I use him as an example all the time. You know, he was a guy who came out early in the year and wasn't getting a lot of opportunities, but every time out that he did get, he made more and more and more of those opportunities until he ended up in our starting rotation. 
um, and, you know, ends up two hitting a, a team in a CG in conference. And, you know, going into May, he had zero offers. And by the time, you know, May ran out, I think he had 16 offers, and, and a number of those were Division ones. And, you know, he looked at me and he said, hey, Coach, I could, I could go to this Division one and I'm probably going to pitch 10 or 15 innings, you know, and that's cool. But I can go to this Division two over here, and my goal is to be their Friday night guy, and I think I can, and I want to be a Friday night guy. And so, you know, that was a very advanced and mature um, thought process. And and so, you know, not everybody's built that way. Um, and some guys just, hey, man, just give me the chance to play Division One. When I get on campus, I know I can compete for a spot. And that's what it is sometimes, and that's great. Um, you know, but we talk to these guys about finding the right fit and what's best for them. And, you know, at times is it, hey, you know, money-wise, you know, to help the family because they need that, what's going to be – you know, the best opportunity to have your education paid for. Um, you know, we've sent guys to a lot of great programs at a lot of different levels, and I don't knock any any level, any program. I mean, you know, anybody that calls and wants our stuff, you know, or our sophomores, I'm going to give it to them, you know, and, and I can't control where a guy goes. I don't I don't push guys in any direction. If guys have questions, you know, they come to me and they're, they're free to ask, but I'll never say, hey, you need to do this or hey, you need to do that before somebody comes and asks me what my personal opinion is because that's a family decision, right, where they're going to go spend the next two years of their life and that goes into again like i said early in the you know in the podcast was we don't recruit guys here that are just looking to play baseball for two more years because i want guys who have aspirations to go play and do bigger things and i've figured it out as a junior college coach that you know 99 percent of the time a guy's best baseball is ahead of it and so you know i get to now hang my hat on hey this guy went out and threw you know uh, our former player of ours threw a seven scoreless innings against Vandy in the SEC tournament this last year, right? They're ranked number two in the country, and he goes out there on ESPN and does that, and I get to point, you know, to ESPN and say, hey, that's our guy. A young man who, you know, came through um, my first year as the head coach here. He was here for two years with us, was under-recruited out of high school, had one Division One offer. He took that Division One offer, ended up in the rotation um, with those guys, and then after his senior year this last year, didn't get any calls. He worked his tail off all fall. Now he's 95, 97, 98, and he just signed a free agent contract with the Houston Astros. That's what I get fired up now. You know, my, if, if I am, if we are as a unit here, guys are graduating and they're getting to good four-year programs to go play baseball, then I've done my job as a junior college coach. I want to win every game, but the wins right now for me, my job as a junior college coach is to develop those players and help them get to where they want to be. And that's what the junior college level should be about. And so, you know, whether that's Division One, Division Two, Division Three, NAI, whatever it may be, um, you know, if we can help them get to that institution that they want to play at, then, then we've done our job. That's a great place to wrap up. This is Clay Cox, everybody. He's the head coach at Paris Junior College. Very successful junior college program in Paris, Texas. And again, today's podcast was brought to you by Crossover Symmetry and ArmCare.com. Coach Cox, I certainly appreciate your time today. Um, you're, you're a guy that I've just kind of kept up with and followed on social media for a couple of years and just thought, you know, thought for a while you'd be an interesting guy to bring on. So I'm glad we got a chance to connect on Twitter and I'm glad that, uh, that you agreed to come on. This was great. The stuff that you shared and just your, your outlook, your perspective on everything was, was great to hear. I think it's great for, you know, anybody involved at the high school level, coaches and players to hear, you know, what's going on at, at your level. And, and even for me, you know, I, I feel like I learned something from every podcast, no matter what, uh, no matter what level I'm talking, you know, what, what level the guy's coaching that I'm talking to, or whether it's a coach or player or whatever. And I learned a lot from you today. 
on this call. So, uh, Coach Cox, I really appreciate your time and, uh, and just so thankful to have you a part of Figured Out Baseball. I, I appreciate you having me, man, and, and I love what you're doing and giving back to the game, and, and I, I thank you for that. I, I wish we had more of that in today's world, and, uh, you know, hopefully somebody can take something away from today. Like I said, you know, if, if there's one thing they can take away, then this was a successful podcast, and uh, to any of those listeners that are that are out there, if there's questions about the recruiting process or just, you know, college baseball in general, any way I can help, feel free to look me up. Um, and I'll be glad to connect with you and help however I can.